Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. We're going to begin reading here. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. And there is so much revelation in here that I wish we had time to hit on tonight. Jesus said to him, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master... All these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, And follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And went away grieved for he had great possessions. Verse 21 is where I'd like to draw our text tonight. Then Jesus beholding him loved him. And said unto him one thing thou lackest. Tonight I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. From the very simple subject, just one thing, just one thing. For those of you that are in the house, you may be seated. And for those of you who are at home, I don't know if you're sitting or standing, but you may be seated if that's what you so wish to do. Amen. This is a powerful story that, to be quite honest with you, I can see myself in several aspects of this man's life. I have, in my lifetime had seasons in my life where I did my very best, I thought, to please the Lord. And in one moment of communion with God, I would begin to feel Him deal with something in my heart that I really did not even realize I had held on to and that I was holding back from God something that He desired of me. One thing. I know that in this day and time, Uh, The way that Jesus is presented by way of religion and not relationship. It is the kind of Christ presented to us that says just do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live. And God wants you to just be happy. We very rarely ever hear anybody step up to the forefront and preach from the principle that Jesus is teaching us. That it really is possible. To miss the will of God in your life over one thing. I know it's not a popular message, but it is a message that needs to be heard and it needs to be preached from the highest 
mountaintop in the world because I believe that Jesus is coming. And I wanted to echo through the portals of the internet tonight as we stream and tell somebody that there is nothing in this world that's worth being lost over. There is not one thing in this world that's worth missing heaven over. And I would do whatever I had to do to be sure even if it's one thing that that thing is fixed. Now let's talk about this man. I believe that he was a good man. I believe that we can see this in the scripture. The Bible shows us very clearly. I believe that his temperament is revealed by the way that he addressed the Messiah. In verse 17, when he comes to Jesus, he calls him good master. Good master. I believe that his temperament is revealed in the way that he addresses the Christ. We know for certain that he must have been a man of great courage. For Jesus said that he was a rich young ruler. This meant that more than likely he was in the class of people that had looked on the Lord's ministry with much disdain. But this man had the courage to look at the Messiah who was hated by so many because of his ministry and call him a good master. It took some courage for this ruler to look at Jesus and call him good. We can see certainly that he was a man of great humility for when he came into the presence of the Lord, the scripture tells us that he knelt down. He got down in a posture of submission and humility before the Lord. Understand that this was not a method by which a ruler would salute a peasant, but rather the way that a peasant would salute a ruler. Yes, he was a ruler, but he knew that the authority of the Christ was so much greater than any authority that he ruled over in his life. It took great courage and it took great humility to bow down at the feet of Jesus and to call him a good master. So he showed us that not only did he have great courage, did he have great temperament, did he have wonderful humility, he showed us by his words and his action that he was submitted to the authority of the Christ. At which point in a posture of submission to the Messiah, Jesus flashed upon him the light of six different commandments not the first four which indicate the relationship which should exist between man and God but rather the last six which condition uh, that show the condition of the relationship that man should have with his neighbor in verse 19 Jesus tells a man he says don't kill don't commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud honor thy father and thy mother the last six not that tell us how to serve God but how to serve man and Jesus begins to pick away at the spirit of this humble man who was submitted I know that people don't want to tell us that Jesus cares about our life but I'm telling you in this moment we see that humility was not enough we see that courage was not enough we see that submission in the presence of God was not enough Jesus said to him there is something that is missing in your life 
And as the Lord begins to allude to the idea that it's probably not a problem that you have with God because I left the first four commandments alone, but it could be that it's a problem between you and a brother. Jesus was telling him right here, there is nobody in this world that's worth being lost over. So one light after another, Jesus flashed up on the inner, hidden, secret life of the man. He looked back in the face of the Messiah and he said, Master, all of these things have I observed from my youth. I have given myself to the commandments of the word of God. And the Lord begins to work through the spirit of this man. He said, I have observed all of this. I have, I have studied the word of God. You know, it's possible to have the commandments of God written in the memory of your mind. Written and inscribed in the walls of your heart like David said. Hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. But you can take for granted that you already know what you really don't know. Just because you can read it doesn't mean you can live it. Just because you can quote it doesn't mean that you're submitted to it. Understand me that there are a lot of people that can quote scripture to you and they can do it like a typewriter firing off a a brand new novel that's going to be read by thousands. Man, they can spit it out. It drips off their tongue like honey from a comb. But there's something that's different about being able to quote the word and getting the word down in your spirit. I'm not just talking about getting it in my mind. I want to get it in my heart. That I might not sin against God. It's in seasons like this that I wish to so, so badly that we could be together in the house of God. But what are you going to do in future seasons when you cannot be in the house of God? You've got to have something down deep in your heart that will keep you through tough seasons. You gotta have something. You gotta have something. You gotta have something that when you lay your head down at night, you can refer to the word of God in your spirit. I'm not talking about just getting it in your memory. That's a good thing. We need to memorize it. But I don't just want to memorize it. I want to walk in it. The psalmist said, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Because that alludes to walking and not just believing. He said, I don't just want your word to illuminate my mind. I I want your word to illuminate my path because I want you to order my steps. And so he says, Lord, I, I've observed, I've, I've, I've done this, but, but follow this right here. Now, this is, this is something you can't, you can't miss at all. Then Jesus, then Jesus, beholding him, verse 21, loved him. He loved him. And he said to him, now, oh, God, I wish somebody could get this. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Now, here's the difference in the Jesus that others portray to you and the Jesus of the Scripture. The Scripture said that it is the love of Jesus that reveals the shortcomings of a man. It was Jesus loving him that told him you are missing one thing in your life that keeps you from being all right with me. Can I tell you, God does not hate us. I don't know what people think Calvary was all about. 
I don't know what people think repentance is all about but it's not just so that I can feel good and come to the house of God Calvary happened so that I could be free from my sin Romans said it like this while we were yet sinners he died for he didn't die for us so that we could stay sinners he died for us so that we could be saved I love you rich young ruler so that's why I want to tell you you are missing something there is something in your life that you are absolutely missing and we've got to do something to get it right in your life I was reading recently in a book a story of an old preacher who said that he came to do a meeting uh, here in the United States and as he came uh, to, to stand on the platform he said I had decided that I was going to sing my first hymn in the series of meetings when all of a sudden I heard weak tones of a small reed organ notwithstanding the fact that there was a very fine organ in the building. So turning to my friend, he said, the minister of the church, I said to him, and I quote, what is the matter with the great organ? At which point the local minister replied and said, nothing. So I asked him, why then is it not being played? He said, it only lacks one thing. It lacks a player. The power of the organ is not in how beautiful it is. It's in the fact that it doesn't have somebody that knows how to manipulate the pipes and the airflow and to make this thing work. Can I tell you that some of you are living a life that is so much less than what God wants for you. But it's because you're still trying to control the sound that comes out. And at some point you've got to let the master player begin to work in your life. You've got to let his wisdom be what comes out of your spirit in your life I'm telling you tonight bitterness is not worth holding on to that hatred is not worth holding on to you've got to let the master play the narrative in your life one thing lacking an instrument that was fearfully and wonderfully made constructed to catch the wind and to translate it into music it was silent there was no harmony there was no symphony why because it was lacking something it was lacking something it's true tonight that the organ in this story was full of nothing but potential how many people do you know in this day and hour that they could do so many beautiful things for God but there is one thing that stands between them and the destiny that God has on their life I'm asking you right now in the living room of your home or wherever you may be to throw your hands in the air and say, God, would you search me if there's one thing that's standing between me and you tonight? I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't know what you can feel right now. Wherever you are, but I'm telling you that in this house tonight, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's not just any casual anointing, but it is an anointing that destroys yokes of bondage. I'm telling you that right where you are tonight, that there is enough power coming through the Word of God right now that yokes can be destroyed in your life, yokes can be destroyed in your marriage, yokes can be destroyed in your children, yokes can be destroyed in your job, yokes can be destroyed in this nation. 
I'm crying out tonight for the Holy Ghost to reach down to where you are right now and captivate your attention like he never has. God, I want to be right. I want to be right. I want to do whatever I have to do. We sang a song throughout my childhood and still sing it from time to time. It says, for above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. The old timers used to talk about it. When they would stand up and give their prayer request, you would hear it during testimony service. You would hear it during Thursday night prayer meeting. But it's not a prayer that you hear very much anymore. That people would raise their voice and say, Lord, whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do, I want you to save my husband. Whatever you have to do, I want you to save my children. Do you tonight have the boldness in your spirit to begin to pray, God, whatever you have to do in my life, whatever you have to do, in my family I must be saved I must be saved I must be saved now this story is extremely powerful if we understand the concept and the principle that Jesus is trying to get to him watch me here verse 21 he said one thing thou lackest I've had people look at this story and say oh so what he's lacking is that he's not a giving person. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't given. Jesus said, one thing you lack, you've got, you've got a lot of treasures. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou have, and give it to the poor. Then thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. No, no, no. The treasure, the treasure is, is not what he's lacking. Understand me when I tell you. I believe that he was more than likely a giving man. Because he was a ruler. He was a rich ruler. And in order to rule, you've got to have compassion on the people so that the people will love you. I don't believe that he was lacking compassion. I don't believe he was lacking humility. I don't believe he was lacking courage. Jesus says this to him. And so often, these are the words of the master. He said, one thing thou lackest, now go. Go. Do this. And then he said, come. Watch this now. Jesus said, Go sell what you have and then come take up your cross and follow me. Well, I believe what the man was missing was compassion. I don't because Jesus shows us exactly what the man is missing. He said, go and get rid of your riches because your riches are what's keeping you from a cross. Jesus said the thing that you're lacking is being willing to come to a cross and follow me. You know what? It's a whole lot easier to hold on to the riches than it is to neglect those riches and pick up a cross. But Jesus said that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was not asking the rich young ruler to do anything he didn't ask me to do. He said, I want you to get rid of whatever's keeping you from the cross in your life. At this point, sir, you're a young man. You're a rich man. You're a ruler. You've got a lot of things going for you, but you lack one thing. And whatever you have to get rid of in your life to get over that one thing, to get a hold of that one thing, there will come a day that it will be worth it to you. Whatever it costs you to get that one thing taken care of, it's going to be worth it. He said, The thing 
that you lack is a cross. The thing that you're lacking, you don't lack treasure on earth. You don't lack treasure on earth. He said, the reason I want you to get rid of your treasure on earth is because I want you to understand that you can push earthly treasure off for a little while if you really want to set your focus on something powerful. He said, don't lay up for yourself treasure where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt. I'm telling you tonight that if this epidemic in our nation and globally has shown me anything, it has shown us as a nation that the power of a dollar has absolutely ruled the lives of men in the United States of America. It is the spirit of mammon that's upon us. And we wonder why we tighten up when preachers preach about money it's the very same thing that's in the life of this young ruler he said you're ruling well but something's got a hold of you that's keeping you from laying yourself down on a cross can I tell you that in this hour right now where it looks like the economy has tanked and your dollar's not worth what it was three weeks ago it's time to invest in something that's eternal I'm telling you tonight you've got every right to go into your children's rooms and anoint those rooms with with oil and pray the prayer of faith. You've got every right to anoint your wife and pray over your marriage. You've got every right to anoint every door and every window in your house. Why? Because we're children of the king. Oh my, my. If we're not careful in the days that are to come, we're going to spend a lot of energy Wrapping up our emotions in a fantasy world. I've preached it to you so many times in this church. But right now would be a very easy time for you to sit at home and turn on your television and get invested in stories that will never be reality and to look at movie, movie after movie after movie and invest your emotional attention and your emotional energy in things that are going to pass away but could you imagine what would happen the first Sunday that we're back in the house of God if for these few weeks that we've had to lay out of being in the house of God if while you were home you had invested in a prayer closet and you whether by by yourself or with a family that God has in your home that you made your house the altar so that when you come back here you can say pastor I don't just have to have the church for an altar I put an altar in my house wouldn't it be something Instead of us catching up on six seasons of something on Netflix, if we'd catch up on 66 seasons, 66 books in this holy, holy book of God wherein holy men of God were moved on by the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Holy Ghost. You know what? First thing on my mind when I woke up these last couple weeks has not been uh, the COVID-19 virus. The first thing on my mind has not been my bank account. The first thing on my mind when I wake up so help me God is this is the day that the Lord hath made I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it I'll rejoice in a tanked economy I'll rejoice with the virus running rampant why because my treasure is not here some say that this virus we're in is the judgment of God I say to you I don't believe it's the judgment of God whatsoever I believe if I've seen anything in this, 
I've seen just like this story, I've seen the love of God. As he looks at my life and says, son, you have preached, you have done, you have given, you have gone. But here's what I want you to do. Now that you have gone, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come to me. I want you to get on that cross. I want you to lay your life down. Every single day I want you to get on it. I want you to be on the kind of cross that if the economy, and I believe it will, but if the economy never picks back up again. I need you to be on the kind of cross that the economy does not matter because you don't live in this economy. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? There is a great debate going on as to whether or not the dollar will lose its value and that we're going to go back to a global gold system. I could not help but giggle and laugh the other day as I listened on the news and began to read article after article of men saying, we're going to have to go back to gold. We're going to have to go back to gold because all I can think of in the back of my mind is the place where I'm going that gold is nothing but pavement because I plan on going to a city where the streets are made of gold where the gates are pearl where the walls are made of jasper I've come to tell you right now it's worth whatever you've got to do to make it even if it's just one thing now let me deal with you where you are tonight in your heart for just a minute I'm, I'm about finished preaching I know I've probably preached a little longer than I have on any of our other broadcasts but I'm ready to have church. I told Brother Jordan this morning. I said, bro, I'm ready for some choir singing. Amen. I'm ready for some altar call. I'm ready to have revival. We're having revival, but I'm ready to have it together with our family. But let me help you very quickly. Why, why Pastor, are you teaching on this? Because here's what I believe. I believe that if before this virus hit, before this pandemic hit, if you were having a hard time being faithful to God in attendance to the house of God, I believe you're having trouble being faithful to God and you're giving and you're tithing. You're having trouble trusting God before this pandemic hit. I believe that therein would reveal the same thing that's keeping you from reading your word while you're home. It's keeping you from praying while you're home. It's keeping you from having a relationship with God while you're home. So all of a sudden the love of God reveals to us this never has been a church problem. It's a one thing problem. It's that one thing that's kept me from being faithful to God in his house. But now that I can't go to the house of God, I've got to become the house of God. And so the thing that kept me from the house of God is keeping me from being the house of God. So whatever it is tonight, Jesus is giving a twofold command. Jesus is saying, go. Go get rid of it. Go get rid of it and go lay it down. And after you have searched your heart... And you have seen what's within you. After you have gone and got rid of it. Then I want you to come back to me. And I want you to get on that cross. And I want you to take it up every day. And I want you to come follow after me. Now listen. Verse 22. Verse 22. You can, you, you can look at this however you want to. But maybe I can spend a little different light on it here as I close. Jesus said come. Take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possession. Now, let me tell you that until today, I always looked at this as one of the saddest endings of a story that I'd ever seen. But could I shed a little bit of light on this and tell you that I don't believe the end of this writing is the end of the story. Because I believe that what God was doing in the heart of this rich young ruler through his love, through Jesus' love toward him when he said one thing thou lackest, I believe that the Spirit of God was grieving the heart of this man. 
The Bible said that he went away grieved. He went away sad for he had great possessions. I don't believe that he went. It doesn't even make sense that he went away sad that he had possessions. I believe that it's very, very possible that the man walked away grieved and sad because he looked at all of his possessions and he said, this is the one thing that I have let stand between me and that cross. And whatever I've got to do, I know it's not recorded, but give me a little hermeneutic privilege if you would to say to you that God wants to break your heart again for the things that break his heart and through his love he wants to reveal to you that I'm trying to work in your life if it grieves you then lay down at an altar and let me work on your soul let me do surgery on your spirit let it grieve you for a little while because if you'll trade in this treasure I'm going to give you a greater treasure I'm asking you tonight, as the music begins to play softly, I'm asking you in your homes to turn your house right now into an altar call. I want you to turn your house into an altar tonight. The presence of the Lord is so rich in this room. Oh, dear God. I wish so very bad that I could reach my hand through and lay my hand on your head right now. But I'm telling you, there is an unseen hand that has settled down into your home right now. Amen. I believe the angels of the Lord are walking in your house right now. I believe sinner, saint, backslider, prodigal, whoever you may be tonight, I just got to believe in the Holy Ghost that God is revealing that one thing to you and that people are not going to recognize you when this pandemic is over because the load will be lifted. You may be grieved right now, but oh dear God in heaven, when you walk into the house of God, there's going to be joy in your spirit. There's going to be a smile on your face because you now know I'm not going to be lost. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord is flowing in this room right now. And we are praying in this house right now. We are praying that God will let the same spirit that we feel here right now begin to flow through these cameras, begin to flow through this audio line into your home. I am pleading with you tonight. I don't care if you have never stepped your foot into the doors of this church. I am pleading with you right now to search your heart, to ask the love of God to search you right now and say, God, what is that one thing that's keeping me from the will of God? And whatever it is, I've got to be willing to lay it down because I want to please my Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we lift our hands? Could we lift our voices right now? Come on, I feel it. I feel it right now. Falling in love. 